From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, Riley talks with Iowa FFA Association President Holly Schmidt for National FFA Week. Dustin speaks with Iowa farmer Scott Henry about Climate Smart Program funding in the next Farm Bill. And Andy and Dustin discuss an Iowa farmer recognized for contributions to sustainability. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. Well, hard to believe it feels very spring-like out there again. Welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Huffman, Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Andy Peterson joining me. And Andy, just before we were set to go here and start producing, guy across the street had his Harley out there and revved up. And <laughs> made me want to go get mine fixed up so I can get mine running again because it's the itch to get out there and enjoy the weather. Because you never know. I mean, March is still here. We're still technically in winter for another month. And so you never know what old man winter is going to do because I know we talked about him being missing. And we want to make sure that we, uh, in case we find him yet beforehand, we got to enjoy this. I'm sure somebody's going to find him. And I noticed that you were shaking a little bit. So I wondered what kind of giving you the itches here this morning. Yeah, that was. It's uh, definitely nicer weather. Hey, before we get too far along here, I want to remind you, this portion of uh, Iowa Ag Matters is brought to you by Sweetwater Technologies. Join in on the road to 1 million acres. Check out more at sweetwatertechnologies.com. Andy, what we got coming up? Well, we uh, will talk National FFA Week here as i'm judging this afternoon actually radio broadcast looking forward to that right now though let's dive into the markets a little bit of a bounce believe it or not in the corn market mark magnuson starts us off with eric ralph from comstock joined today by eric ralph of comstock for our opening market discussion eric what are we seeing taking place in the grains today a little bit of a mixed bag today seeing a little more life out of the wheat which should be helpful to the corn corn did go make a new low overnight at 407 and a half in that front month but we are off of that low by about four cents in the break here. I think that's uh, at, at least something to, to be watching close as we get nearer to $4. This price level doesn't work for most, and you would think that uh, end users would be trying to get some coverage at these levels. So we might uncover some buying interest, and if we do uncover enough buying in the corn, then maybe we can entice the funds to start doing a little liquidating. However, with a 13 cent spread between the March and the May, there's little that's going to cause them to break that position. It's going to have to be some some pretty good excitement, and, and we're going to have to see some end users coming in a serious way. Soybeans continue to struggle as we try to weigh out what the numbers are going to be between some of these private estimates and government entities on Brazil's production. Eric, what did we learn recently about what is happening in South America and kind of those numbers that we've been you know hearing all over the place as far as production estimates? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, a couple of days ago you got the Brazil Ag Ministry comes out and, and they're calling the, the Brazilian soybean production 145, 145 million metric tons. And that is the exact number that we've been using here at Comstock uh, via our connections in South America through Matthew Cruz, our president. So getting those numbers to align was kind of interesting in my mind, especially when you got the USDA sitting out there at a 156. So you're talking uh, a 450 plus million bushel difference. I mean, that's more than our entire carry here in the U.S. So there's going to have to be some reconciliation. And, and I have to think that a lot of these boots on the ground private estimates that we're getting that are in the mid 40s to maybe upper 40s are going to be a lot more accurate than the 156 that the USDA is printing. So as we see those numbers start to reconcile and hopefully they go the right direction, we should see some market reaction to the top side out of that information. What did we learn from the Federal Reserve recently as well in terms of what they're thinking about inflation and whether or not to cut rates or stay where they are right now? 
Well, I, I think the, the theme is going to be sustained for longer, and, and that's kind of the rhetoric that we're starting to get now. You know, there was expectations that I, I think the trade was looking for a 50-50 chance that we would see a rate cut in the first quarter of 24 as we were coming near the end of 23 that off the table now as we're as we're already getting close to march here so that first quarter rate cuts off the table then it's what are the chances of a second quarter rate cut now the chatter is are we going to see any cuts in 2024 you know the cpi number comes out it, it surprises a little you know our inflation's still still running a little bit and they're not they're not able to get it down to the level they want it ppi numbers even worse than than the cpi and so at a wholesale level uh, prices continue to elevate We'll hear more from Eric Ralph of Comstock Investments later on in the program to find out what's shaking in those cattle and hog markets. But right now, Andy Peterson is ready to go. He's got his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Never give up on your crop, particularly before it's planted. LG Seeds agronomist Brian Widmer says that's the lesson from 2023, given the record yields despite tough growing conditions. When you go back to the month of June, there was a lot of guys who were wanting to cut back some of their inputs just because we were going through such stressful conditions and the crop looked so rough when you were going out in the middle of the afternoon walking your fields. But when you look back at a lot of the growers who stuck with their game plans that they had in place and looked at the different things on their farm that continuously give them high yield and contribute to their success, it really paid off when they took the combines through the field. They were seeing those gains, they were seeing those advantages. And so I think when you look at the resilience of this crop and even the stress that we went through, it's important to never give up on a corn crop crop or a soybean crop until that combine goes through the field. He adds if there's cutting back to do, it's on expenses for tillage and fuel. Number two. Back to normal. It took almost four years, but USDA's Economic Research Service is highlighting new data that shows rural employment levels are finally back to pre-COVID levels. Now, in the second quarter of 2020, urban employment fell to 88% of pre-pandemic employment levels, while rural employment fell to 90%. Rural employment finally recovered to pre-pandemic levels in the third quarter of 2023, more than a year after urban employment did, and rural unemployment rates in 2023 were at their lowest point since before 1990. Number one. A sneak peek of the latest Pods of Potential episode with our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver outstanding research insights that can help your operation, including seeding rate trials where Southwest Iowa farmer Adam Farger says it makes sense for their operation. You know, these seeding rate trials, um, you know, we're constantly trying to find better ways to get our costs down, yields up. I'm looking at the ROI and uh, this trial rate really helps me hone in on seeding and uh, end of the day, it's the bottom line profits. You heard it here first and you can hear more in your latest episode of Pods of Potential available tomorrow on your favorite podcasting service as well as our website, iowaagnet. Com. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at sweetwatertechnologies.com.
We know that Iowans are always at the cutting edge of moving the agriculture industry forward, and that includes with regenerative agriculture. Kelly Garrett was named the Top Producer Award finalist. We'll hear about his story next on Iowa Ag Matters. Well, there's news out from the Iowa Agricultural Water Alliance here today on Iowa Ag Matters. Andy and Dustin, thanks to Riley for uh, making us sound good and putting us all together. Thanks to you for being here on your authentic, official, and trusted voice of Iowa agriculture. Dustin, uh, some good news to report from uh, Sean and crew at the Iowa Ag Water Alliance. Uh, Farmer demand on regenerative agriculture has ramped up to the point they've done such a good job now that they're out of funding or nearly out of funding, which is something that even maybe a year ago would have been tough to believe we'd get there, but we have. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And so obviously to get interest and and get more uh, opportunities to get more funding so farmers can do this, obviously we're bringing attention to those who have uh, basically been the success story, been those those poster farms for, for showing us what is possible, what's attainable, and, and what can be done. And one of those is uh, Kelly Garrett. He is a sixth-generation farmer from Crawford County in western Iowa, and he owns Garrett Land and Cattle. And, of course, he has been a very big regenerative ag uh, advocate here in, in the past and has been telling his story. Uh, you know, he talks about when he's him and his, his father and his grandfather started no-till back when he was, you know, basically in, in junior high. And uh, he said, though, though they're on the eastern side of those Los Hills. And so he's obviously wanting to keep that topsoil up there. It's a priority. And so they really were earlier adopters of a lot of these conservation practices. And now we're seeing, you know, decades later, it's uh, it's it's paying off. And, and he's really passionate about showing that side of the story. And and because of that, he's up for a top producer award. Yeah, good for Kelly. And those guys absolutely do it right. And uh and it, you know, it, it shows, I think, if I put my producer hat on here, that some of the myths that are out there about no-till just are exactly that. You talk about saving topsoil, absolutely. As time goes on, things happen that because it's below the ground, a person can't actually see it. But it's there, such as soil structure. Mother Nature wants to keep her soils. If you leave them undisturbed, Mother Nature will help you fight erosion. She battles us in a lot of different cases, but allowing her to help where she is, for lack of a better term, Dustin, willing, is something that, um, you know, is out there and able to be seen. And it can be demonstrated, too. I mean, the slate test is excellent. If you've ever seen one of those things, too. But uh, certainly good to hear now that um, we're increasing the pace and scale of uh, adoption of some of these practices. And we'll certainly be looking forward to chatting with Kelly a little bit more here in the upcoming days on Iowa Ag Matters. Yes, most definitely. Always uh, great to have these uh, people that are willing to show what needs to be done. And obviously farmers want to do what they can to preserve that soil quality and the air quality and water quality, because that's what keeps those farms ticking. And as you talked about how Mother Nature takes care of it, when you look at the soil underneath, like you think the things you don't see is the amount of life going on. We always think insects, and we always equate with, oh, they're going to cut our crops. But there's a lot of life down there that helps our crops and helps the soil. And to see them just thriving in those situations is always great. We'll have more Iowa Ag Matters coming up in a moment. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. 
Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. We are racing towards first notice day as the March contracts will be into delivery here the beginning of next week, which means elevators are rolling their basis bids uh, versus the May. Some changes taking place, no doubt, including on the cash prices. And Dustin Hoffman has the very latest for you. Next on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Time to run down some of those elevator numbers for you on this Iowa Ag Matters Thursday. I'm Dustin Huffman. Taking a look at the bids, we're still seeing plenty of elevators that are sub $4 levels on corn. Did see one soybean bid in Missouri go below $11. Not happening here, but let's check what is going on. Starting at ADM Burlington, they're 12 cents under on corn, $4 even. Soybeans, 4 cents under, they're at $11.60. At Cargill Eddyville, they're even today with corn at $4.12 for the cash bid. At New Co-op Algona, they're a dime under on corn, 402. Soybeans 55 cents under at 11.09. Ag State Sheldon 20 cents over on corn, cash bid 432. Soybeans at 68 cents under at 10.96. Ag State Alta a dime under on corn, 402. Soybeans 62 cents under at 11.02. Cargill Cedar Rapids even on corn today at 412. Soybeans are a dime under, cash bid 11.54. Nexus Co-op Marble Rock, they're a dime under on corn, 402. Soybeans 55 cents under at 1109. At Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, they're two cents under on corn, cash bid 410. ADM Des Moines, 12 cents under on soybeans, cash bid 1152. New Co-op Red Oak, a dime under on corn, 402. Soybeans 45 cents under at 1119. Mid-Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, they're 24 cents under on corn, cash bid 388, soybeans 52 cents under at 1112. New Co-op Sheraton, 25 cents under on corn, 387, soybeans 50 cents under at 1114. Walk-On Feed Ranch, 18 cents under on corn, 394, soybeans 58 cents under at 1106. New Co-op Glidden, a dime under on corn, cash bid 402, soybeans 50 cents under at 1114. Innovative Ag Services Farley, 17 cents under on corn, 395. Soybeans, 53 cents under, cash bid 1111. Cargill Muscatine closed for the season. They'll reopen on April 1st. The office is open for regular business. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevator when making sales to obtain the most recent price. That's a check of your basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. 
This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. we got more markets still to come here on Iowa Ag Matters, including a complete rundown of the midday numbers and see where the trade is. Also, don't forget about the free market podcast sent right to your mobile device from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. More Iowa Ag Matters coming up next. Well, as we were talking about a little earlier, Dustin and I were, there is a need for increased conservation and regenerative agricultural funding in the farm bill. Scott Henry is a farmer on the front lines and he's visiting with Dustin right now. We're talking today with Iowa farmer Scott Henry. He is with Longview Farms, owns Longview Farms rather, of Nevada, Iowa. And Scott, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with us here today. Yes, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. What we're talking about today is obviously we, we know there's so much work on being done with environmental efforts in the agriculture industry, conservation efforts, things like that. And you're helping push a drive to, you know, make sure that we're seeing more of those programs included into the new farm bill, which, of course, we all know, sadly, is running late, but it still gives us some time to, to negotiate what's going in there. So tell us about those concerns especially from that Iowa farmer perspective, for the tools you need to have available. Yeah, I think the, the farmer, not just the Iowa farmer, but the American farmer needs this farm bill to happen. Uh, and we need it to happen sooner rather than later. So much momentum in the industry right now around conservation practices and climate smart agriculture is, is giving the resources to farmers to adopt those practices and I think that's imperative, not just for our own future, but also for the, the quality of waters in the United States and in Iowa, as well as um, just, just the consumer's demand and, and helping farmers to meet it. Unfortunately, too many people um, right now are, are asking for, for this and there's, there's a lack of support. Uh, there's a lack of technical assistance. Uh, and even if you look at some of the different programs um, that are existing in the old farm bill, that could either run out of money or um, be, be shuttered completely if we don't get at minimum an extension, um, but preferably a, a broader based new bill. Now, I know one of the concerns, you know, first and foremost for a lot of farmers is you know, the financial concern. You're talking about changing the way you operate, maybe some acres coming out of production for, you know, edge of field strips or, or what other production. And so it's got to pay. It's got to hit that bottom line, especially in a time right now when our return on investment is getting tighter with the increase in inputs and the decrease we're seeing in the marketplace. Definitely. The economic impact of all of this is is huge, right? The, the the critical importance of having the tools available for us to not only produce a crop, but for, to produce a crop that the consumer will buy and that the consumer demands. And what's what's so unique about this point in time is that there there seems to be a disconnect with the boots on the ground and, and who's doing the work, so to speak, and, and those that are consuming the products, whether it be through a vehicle or, or a shirt on someone's back or the actual food that they eat. And so for us as producers, you know, we want to see um, the protections that help us manage the downside risk. As you mentioned, there's, that's obviously a, a bigger issue this year than what it has been in the past couple of years. Uh, and so that's very top of mind when we think about risk management. Uh, particularly in regards to crop insurance, as well as just um, pr practices and adopting new opportunities and technologies to help us be more resilient with all of the volatile weather and everything else that Mother Nature seems to be throwing at us these last couple of years. 
Well, we will have more from Scott Henry coming up tomorrow on Iowa Ag Matters as we talk about how we can fund some of these programs here through the federal government. Right now, Andy Peterson standing by. He's got the three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Never give up on your crop, particularly before it's planted. LG Seeds agronomist Brian Widmer says that's the lesson from 2023, given the record yields despite tough growing conditions. When you go back to the month of June, there was a lot of guys who were wanting to cut back some of their inputs just because we were going through such stressful conditions and the crop looked so rough when you were going out in the middle of the afternoon walking your fields. But when you look back at a lot of the growers who stuck with their game plans that they had in place and looked at the different things on their farm that continuously give them high yield and contribute to their success, it really paid off when they took the combines through the field. They were seeing those gains, they were seeing those advantages. And so I think when you look at the resilience of this crop and even the stress that we went through, it's important to never give up on a corn crop or a soybean crop until that combine goes through the field. He adds if there's cutting back to do, it's on expenses for tillage and fuel. Number two. Back to normal. It took almost four years, but USDA's Economic Research Service is highlighting new data that shows rural employment levels are finally back to pre-COVID levels. Now, in the second quarter of 2020, urban employment fell to 88% of pre-pandemic employment levels, while rural employment fell to 90%. Rural employment finally recovered to pre-pandemic levels in the third quarter of 2023, more than a year after urban employment did, and rural unemployment rates in 2023 were at their lowest point since before 1990. Number one. A sneak peek of the latest Pods of Potential episode with our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver outstanding research insights that can help your operation, including seeding rate trials where Southwest Iowa farmer Adam Farger says it makes sense for their operation. You know, these seeding rate trials, um, you know, we're constantly trying to find better ways to get our costs down, yields up. I'm looking at the ROI and uh, this trial rate really helps me hone in on seeding and uh, end of the day, it's the bottom line profits. You heard it here first and you can hear more in your latest episode of Pods of Potential available tomorrow on your favorite podcasting service as well as our website, iowaagnet.com. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, we're talking about regenerative ag. Started off talking a little bit about these warm and beautiful conditions. It's going to be a case study here, Dustin, as I see a lot of uh, cover crops greening up here in the middle of February with, I guess, the rest of winter unknown at this point. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, we've joked for a, a long time, you know, it's always been, you know, if we're going to have global warming, why can't we have it in January and February? And boy, uh, it is warm. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Old man weather has, old man winter has given us a beating here for a couple of weeks in there. But, uh, you know, otherwise we really can't complain. In fact, these temperatures right now, you know, pushing 60 into the 60s in some areas, that makes us forget that winter is even supposed to be going on right now and makes us quickly forget 
how bitter it cold it was just a month ago. And, you know, usually when I go down to Commodity Classic in the south there, I'm always like, oh, great, warm weather. I can enjoy a, a respite from the winter, but this year it's going to be almost probably <laughs> hot while I'm down there. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, we got to check on the markets and see what's going on in the midday numbers, livestock and grains. Mark and Andy will have that coming up next here on Iowa Ag Matters. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today at Midday by Amanda Brill of Total Farm Marketing as we discuss the Midday Markets. Amanda, what are we seeing taking place in the grains here today as it's been a tough run for corn and soybeans recently? Yeah, a lot of red on the screens again today. We've got corn down five and a half cents in May. Um, soybeans down six cents in May. Uh, new contract lows in corn and then um, in the soybeans. We're not too far off from taking out that low uh, from May of last year in the March contract that was down at 1145. And that also leads us to our next point, which is everyone watching South America. And with knowing that they are going through harvest right now, getting those crops out of the ground, uh, what's the current situation and kind of how it affects us here in the United States? Right. Brazil is about a third of the way done with their um, soybean harvest. And you know, we have these analysts coming out and, and they're still lowering their production estimates. The USDA has been unwilling to really come down on that number. Their last estimate was 156 million metric tons. And so the fact that we have these analysts, these private consulting firms bringing this, these numbers down, but we still see the futures continue to fall, that's a little concerning. And it, you know, I think the trade is really focusing on what the USDA has to say rather than maybe these Brazilian agencies. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Yeah, Mark, let's start with the uh, cattle first. Daily estimated slaughter total numbers at 120,000 head. That's 3,000 less than a week ago and 5,000 less than a year ago. Boxes are mixed at midday with select sharply lower, down $3.36 to 284.46 on 20 loads of movement. Choice boxes up 43 cents, 54 loads selling at 297.80 and the spread jumping to 13.34. As far as the pork side goes, we see daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 490,000 head. That's a thousand more than a week ago and 80 some thousand more than a year ago. As far as the cash markets go, let's wrap up yesterday's trade. Barrels and gilts producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchase wise. Finished the day yesterday with 5,700 head and some change of sales. The weighted average price sharply higher, up 237 to 72.62. As far as formula purchases go, 157,000 head, so about an average run there. Weighted average price 77.93, so that market was about two dollars stronger. As far as what's happening at midday here so far, over 5,400 head of negotiated purchases. Weighted average price up 82 cents to 73.30. Formula purchases about 110,000 head of sales, weighted average price 78.56, so that market is about 40 cents lower. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. 
This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. At midday, March corn down five even at 406 even. March soybeans down six and a quarter at 1154 and a half. On the Merck, April live cattle up a dollar ten at 188.80. March feeder cattle up three dollars and five cents at 254.40. April lean hogs up two dollars and 47 cents at 88.45. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Well, as we said earlier, Eric Ralph is returning with us right now to give us some livestock analysis, see what's going on in those cattle and hog markets. Mark Magnuson visits them right now. Flipping over to the other side of the ag marketplace in the livestock complex, what are we seeing taking place? Uh, cattle continue to run, uh, although we're not stacking on dollars a day like we were there for a little while. Uh, the, the cattle market has every reason to be excited. There's numerous reasons that we've talked about on this program and, and others throughout our company here. There's, you know, the, the cow herd's been cut. The, the herd is much smaller than, than we've seen in decades, you know, going back to the mid fifties and that's going to continue to have an impact on the overall market sentiment. And we may go into a cycle here where cattle actually support grain. I'm talking to contacts in Kansas that are heavy in the uh, cattle feeding industry that are saying the corn's just not there. And so we may see this deal where we're going to start siphoning grain from the I states or the, the heart of the corn belt out to the west to, to feed these cattle because you've also got another scenario where we're paying so much for feeder cattle that we're going to have to feed these animals up to heavier weights than we've maybe ever fed them before just to make them pencil at the end of the day. And so that that's going to require a lot more feed to get them up to those weights because you do lose efficiency as the weight goes up on the animal. So there, there's an interesting dynamic developing, and I don't know if it will fully develop, but that's uh, there's some writing on the wall that would indicate maybe we will see something like that. Hogs continue to run, and I think it's interesting that the sentiment of the market is, is pretty bullish. You know, I talk to hog feeders all, all over the Iowa, Minnesota feeding regions, and they're they're not bothered by you know I guess they're they're not feeling excited to get hedging done at these levels even when you're staring at a a July board at 99 and an, and an August board not far behind uh, they're thinking this thing could have a little more room to run there's so much disease issues out there and whatnot that that we could run into supply issues as we move through the year so interesting there and it'll be it'll be curious to see if we can sustain that momentum I would expect. Technically, we need a break, uh, but fundamentally uh, may not warrant it. And Eric, it does seem like already there is some more light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to hogs and hog production over the next you know, several months to a year, because just a short time ago, we were down mm-hmm. in the dumps. You know, it seemed like every time we talked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking 30 cents a pound lower um, when we were talking just a couple months ago. Um, they've made a, a tremendous rally and, and the the storyline that created that from the fundamental side continues and likely could continue all the way through fourth quarter here. But, you know, at some point, these producers that have had so much trouble over the last year or two are are going to say, okay, I can finally make money on my fourth quarter production. I'm going to go ahead and lock up these prices and we will catch some hedge pressure. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. 
Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. National FFA Week continues, and of course, it's always fun to see the different and various activities, including all the tractors that get driven to school. That comes with competition. I have the pleasure of judging the radio broadcast competition this afternoon, actually, Lamar High School. We'll hear from our state president on FFA Week activities next on Iowa Ag Matters. Well, obviously, National FFA Week going on. A lot of people sporting the blue jackets, seeing if they still fit in the blue jackets, or at least remembering their blue jackets. (laughs) But it is definitely a past, present, and future situation, Andy, and Riley Smith has more. We are in the middle of National FFA Week talking with Iowa FFA President Holly Schmidt. First off, Holly, thanks for taking the time to visit with us during this very busy week. Uh, Could you give us a rundown on how uh, FFA Week is uh, is being celebrated in Iowa right now? Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be talking to you today. National FFA Week is being celebrated all over the state, all over the country, and m- many of the different activities going on this week center around the local FFA chapters. You know, these members have been working all year on the different activities they've been planning, and some of those involve an Ag Olympics, where members kind of get involved and do some different agriculture activities that are like contests. They have kiss-a-pig contests, different community service opportunities. They can compete in their sub-district contests for their leadership development events or career development events. And something that the state officers doing, are doing this year is, again, chapter visits to go out, meet students from all across the state, and kind of give them the experience of learning more about SSA, leadership, and teamwork in the classroom and then in their supervised agriculture experiences. So with all of that, you know, being an officer and uh, going across the state to visit all these different chapters, you have a unique viewpoint of FFA Week. So for you personally, what has it been like so far and what have been some of your favorite activities that you've uh, been able to watch? Yeah, so this week started off on Saturday. We had the Iowa FFA Foundation Gala in Ankeny, Iowa. It was definitely a a hit, um, raised a lot of money for agricultural education and it was just very cool to see all these different sponsors come together to support our our organization. Um, then Monday, I traveled to Bloomington, Minnesota, actually, which is right up by Minneapolis. And um, I got to celebrate SSA Week with AMPI, which is a milk uh, co-op. They are creamery. So I grew up on a dairy farm in northeast Iowa, and they asked me to speak because that's where we sell our milk to. So I just kind of gave some regards about SSA Week and how SSA is, you know, impacting the dairy industry. And today I traveled down to Shenandoah, Iowa, um, almost five hours away from Minneapolis, and I did some different activities with them today. I went to their Ag Olympics, heard some of the contests that they're practicing for district convention, and really got to meet a lot of cool members. This Friday will be spent at West Marshall, which is in State Center. And then the week will be capped off with some proficiency judging and the state alumni and supporters conference in Ankeny. So lots of traveling, lots of business, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right, and we know that FFA week, uh, of course, a very fun time, but you alluded to as well with the contest, a lot of time for uh, kind of that business and professional development as well. So when we're thinking about FFA week and just kind of by extension, the FFA in general, yeah, what does that mean to you, especially, you know, as we're putting it on full display throughout this week? 
Yeah, so I think FFA does a great job of preparing tomorrow's leaders. Um, and the way that we're doing that is career development events and leadership development events. Right now we're in leadership development event season, so students across the state, you know, they're practicing their public speeches, job interviews, parliamentary procedure, their ag sales presentations. And I think to me that really just exemplifies how well rounded of an organization the SFA is. You know, you can get involved because you love agriculture. Maybe your mom told you you had to join. Maybe your friends signed up. And I think it just, it really shows how well you can prepare students um, to be the leaders in agriculture and policy and industry. You know, whatever they're passionate about, the SSA and the LDEs that they're competing in this week are going to be able to help them give them opportunities to practice the skills they're going to use in any career path. And so... For me, that means um, some of the LDs I did in high school were like job interview and public speaking. And those really helped me become a stronger speaker and a better interviewer, too. Well, we'll have more on that conversation with Holly Schmidt coming up tomorrow. But right now, it's time for a featured conversation. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a, a negative carbon emitter. And, and I managed to get to that point by a no-till. I use cover crops. I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in, and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to number one keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. And just like that, we are out of time on today's Iowa Ag Matters program. Dustin, appreciate it. Riley, thank you very much for putting everything together, and great job in the conversation with our uh, state FFA president as well. Thank you for being here. See you tomorrow on the Iowa Agribusiness.